Welcome to the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. We're back again, joining me all the way from Scotland. Finno, how are we doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? In studio, Joe. Great to be here, JP. Joe's a happy man after Southampton for the first time in 25 years, got into the top four. Kev? Yeah, fantastic to be here in rainy Salzburg instead of sitting in 26 degree heat in Tenerife, mate. Kev's got a vitamin D glow about him. He's just kind of a, you know, he's got a whiff of a guy who's been away for a nice sunny week's holiday. On the show this week, we're going to have a look at the Premier League games, obviously coming up on the weekend, and a quick look back at uh, what happened last weekend. Friday night, Wolves 2, Palace nil. Routine win for Wolves there. Sheffield United nil, Man City 1. Sheffield United dogged, but you know at the end of the day, it was City uh, with a goal from the old boy, Kyle Walker, Sheffield United old boy, who banged it into the bottom corner. Burnley nil, Chelsea 3. And then Kevin Finno take over here. Liverpool 2, West Ham 1. <laughs> I hesitate to say much about it, Finno, before you talk about it. I mean, do you, do you feel West Ham were unlucky, hard done by? What have you got to say? I went in with hope, not expectation, like I said last week. Both teams were missing their best players. And I do think that West Ham missed the might of Antonio a bit more than Liverpool missed Virgil van Dijk. That being said, there's obviously a lot of controversy. You've got Salah's dive, not dive. You've got Mane potentially, or in my opinion, potentially being sent off for his lunge on Fabianski. Liverpool looks okay, but I think West Ham, there's definitely positives to take from that. I might be with you on Mane, I don't know. Uh, Definitely not Salah though. I I just think with Salah, he he got a kick in the penalty area. Like, was was it well soft? Undoubtedly. You know, I think he was facing the wrong way, wasn't he? Or whatever, you know. It just seems to me it's fairly straightforward. And once again, we get this controversy about a non-English player. Like, did he show non-English values in going to ground? And you just sort of think, oh, no, not again, because it's always different when it's an English player, isn't it? Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there. I do think he gets hit whether there's enough contact to go down. I don't actually know if that matters anymore. But that, on the flip side, is why I think Mane should have been sent off because there wasn't an awful lot of contact on Fabianski, but he was reckless and he was endangering an opponent. So you can't have it both ways. I agree that Salah has come in for some unnecessary press around his performance on on the weekend. I think he's, he's definitely a player and players in the Premier League definitely get reputations. And unfortunately, Salah is one of those players that has a reputation for making the most of situations, shall we say. Oh, man. I reckon this is where we're not, we're not going to agree. I, I just think <laughs> it's players like Salah, it's players like, who was it in the past? Luis Suarez in the past, for example. You know, always get accused of like, you know, being masters of the dark arts. And it always means that they don't get penalties. But I just think, you know, you look at Salah and yeah, this was a kick, but Salah almost every time in the penalty area, you know, he's got people banging into him. He's got people grabbing him by the shirt. He's got people grabbing him by the neck. Liverpool get very few penalties. <laughs> people hate it when I say this, but when you consider the amount of time Liverpool play with the ball in the penalty area, honestly, they get very few penalties. But we could talk about this all day, I'm sure. And I'm sure we're driving the guys nuts already. As you know, Fido, I'm not Liverpool's uh, biggest fan but I wasn't aware that Salah had a reputation for diving in the mould of 
for example, Ashley Young a couple of years ago, who was an English player, who was accused of diving every single game. Um, Liverpool have, have got a ridiculous amount of penalties though in the last couple of seasons. <laughs> I don't you know think they I mean? have. I think I'll I tell you what, I don't have the numbers in front of me. We'll go and do the maths. They did have what they did have last season. I do remember they had a couple of penalties quite close to a each couple. other. Couple. Quite close to each other. They had, no, they had a couple quite close to each other. I think it was against Tottenham and against Leicester. Decisive penalties against each other, if memory serves. And then, I reckon they went ages and ages and ages without a penalty. But anyway, I'll tell you what, we'll come back to it because honestly, like I say, we could go on all day. But honestly, I think the amount of time Liverpool spend in the box, I'm surprised it isn't more as all I I do remember the season when Gerrard slipped. I think they got about 74 <laughs> penalties that season, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> We're going to go into the dark arts very soon. But Fino, you've got to be proud of West Ham, how they turned things around and they've you know went on a good run and really unlucky not, not to get something from this game. We've definitely turned it around and whatever Moyes has done when he was in his quarantine it seems to have worked um it's just unfortunate that Antonio picked up that knock and was unavailable because I do think that him going up against that Liverpool backline we would have potentially seen a very different result but you know you go to Anfield as a team like West Ham you don't expect to get any points let alone three we went one nil up after some pretty dodgy defending a lot of positives to take from it yeah I agree about Antonio he's an absolute beast and he was a real handful against Man City a couple of weeks ago. Just before we move on to the Sunday games, i seen something today, Kev. Uh, I know you love pronouncing the name Diego Xhota. Is he now going to take over from Firmino? I think it's a good shout, isn't it? I think he probably will. I think uh, whatever, we're recording this on Tuesday, just so people know. So there's Champions League games tonight. So we don't know what um, Jurgen Klopp's going to do to the team tonight. But anyway, I wouldn't read anything into that at all because it's one of those, you know, when you've got five subs in these Champions League games, like the starting line, it becomes less important. But anyway, but against Man City, that's what everyone's talking about is who is going to play in that, whether it's going to be Jota or Firmino. And I, 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 do, I, just, I do love saying that. We just love how he says Jota. But I would love to, I would love to see Jota uh, getting a chance. Yeah. Time will tell. What a game, uh, Joe, Sunday, to open up the Sunday games. Aston Villa 3, Southampton 4. Southampton, are they booking their flights around Europe? Yeah, I mean, of course. <laughs> we're going to finish in the top four but you know we're talking about penalties there Southampton don't need penalties we don't want penalties we want free kicks 25 yards out James Ward-Prowse sticks them in the top corner every single time um, every single time <laughs> <laughs> the first half was the James Ward-Prowse show the first goal was his free kick which you know Vestergaard headed in and then he scored two free kicks fairly identical positions in the top corner to put Southampton 3-0 up um, it was pretty typical Southampton actually we were 4-0 up after 60 minutes and then we were like hanging on for dear life uh Aston Villa made it 4-3 in the 97th minute if there'd have been one more minute it would have been a draw it would have been 4-4 for the first hour Southampton were absolutely outstanding we've now won four of our last five the goals were all impressive I think we're just on a roll did Danny Ings score Danny Ings scored a fantastic goal top corner from about 20 yards out but I was talking to Kev earlier so during the second half, Southampton lost Jan Bednarek, Ryan Bertrand and Danny Ings. They all went off injured. We're all just praying that so they're, they're all missing against Newcastle. Well, well, we're not sure yet. We're not sure. Some um, praying more than others. Right. <laughs> it seems that Danny Ings may not be as injured as badly as initially thought, which would be a positive. But I don't think they'll risk him on Friday night against Newcastle. I've just got a couple of stats here. So I just uh, so Southampton are currently fifth. They're on 13 points after seven games. To put that into perspective, last season it took Southampton 15 games to reach the same number of points. 
And the season before that, it took them 18 games to get to 13 points. So Southampton fans are just in complete dreamland because it seems for the first time in a few seasons, we're not going to be in a relegation battle. The magician has on Huttle. Moving on to the Newcastle game, injuries played a big part in this too. I'll just quickly run back to when Newcastle were beaten by Man United. John Joe Shelby picked up an injury. He was out. Isaac Hayden was out, which forced Steve Bruce to change the entire formation of the team. Newcastle went to a 5-3-2, which also converts to a 3-5-2. And they played. They were forced to play their attacking players. So San Maxime, uh, Miguel Almiron and Callum Wilson were all playing in a 3. And they got a result against uh, Wolves. Everton, I looked at the team sheets at the start. They were missing... Uh, James Rodriguez through, uh, through injury and then Richarlison and Digna were uh, suspended after they got sent off in the last couple of games and they looked absolutely blunt. I thought Everton were, were terrible. Newcastle didn't get out of second gear but uh, I thought Maximia wasn't great but definitely were by far the better team. Kevin spoke earlier on about the dark arts. Something happened in this game that absolutely disgusted me. Newcastle got a penalty when Callum Wilson was upended. Uh, he was about to take the ball in his chest in the corner by uh, the Everton midfielder. And the referee had the earpiece in. Callum Wilson had to wait at least probably two and a half minutes until the VAR decision was given that it was a guaranteed penalty. Now in that time, I know myself playing amateur football in Ireland and you, you, I took a lot of penalties. Someone would try to whisper something in your ear. Somebody would say like, you know, the keeper always dives to the left or just to get inside your head. This is the dark arts. Now, Callum Wilson scored the goal and then five minutes later the Sky cameras showed the referee bringing the, the play back and booking Callum Wilson and they showed on the replay that he had the ball in his hands before he took the penalty and he smashed it into the stomach of an Everton defender big guy um, Minya I think his name was huge Jerry guy Minya, yeah. yeah and uh, you know I thought well that's unlike Callum Wilson but I watched the game back again and what really happened was while the referee was making his decision, Mr. Uh, Minya knelt down and emptied his entire nose on Callum Wilson's boot. Basically blew his nose on his boot to put him off. I thought that was, was disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Uh, Kev, Kev's not impressed with that at all. No, I am. I, am. I, I admire anyone who speaks with like, you know, sort of passion and commitment and knows what they think, JP, and I think we need more. No, I mean, I was disgusted because like, there's a whole COVID thing going on as well. I mean, social distancing, don't cough. This guy's blown his nose on somebody's boot. I didn't say it myself, but like I say, you know, man, say what uh, you think. No, no doubt about it. No better, no better boy. Um, Everton went looking for the goal. Didn't really get close. Newcastle broke away. Ryan Fraser came on. Uh, Callum Wilson... Banged it in, 2-0. They got a late goal, Everton, through uh, Calvert-Lewin, who gets his trademark weekly goal. And then the points <laughs> were were good. Were yeah. Newcastle good enough to say, I think we're going to go and beat Southampton? I think we were very solid. And uh, give us a fighting chance. I mean, Southampton are, are world beaters at the minute, according to our pundit Joe. <laughs> Question for you, though, about, yeah. about Everton. So, you know, a couple of bad results now. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they were pretty much everyone's, like, you know, surprise team, or at least the team we were all really really impressed with before the last you know before the international break can you judge them by this sort of performance or do we just have to say it was out without James James without Ricarlison you know should we should we wait until they're back before we before we decide uh, what that season's going to be and let me throw you another one if it turns out that um you know Everton don't go on and be top three top four something like that they're not Champions League contenders 
do they lose that striker? You know, do do Man United or whoever come in with a seventy million pound bid or whatever it is in January if it looks like they're not going to do it? And Wayne in a Wayne Rooney esque coup d'état, does someone take, um, you know, arguably their best player away from them? Well, the first the the answer, you know, I think no, we shouldn't judge them because those guys would have made a big difference, definitely against Newcastle. I'm not sure. I didn't see the Everton Southampton game, Joe, but. You know, James Rodriguez, Richarlison. I don't know much about Digna. Richarlison was quality. He was at Watford. Um, obviously, we know James was, was one of the best players in the world. I'm sure the result would have been a lot closer or the game would have been closer if they were playing. I was delighted when they weren't playing. And because Angelotti's there, I think no. Nobody's gone anywhere for a while. He's been given money. He's going to build. And uh, Calvert-Lewin is not the, the... What was Rooney, 18 or 19 when he, when he broke through? So... No, oh, I can't see him player. going to, to Man United. Man United got a couple of very good young strikers there already, anyway, in the, um, Rashford and what's the other guy's name? Green. <laughs> Greenwood. Greenwood, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Finno, I know you were really impressed by Everton. What, what do you reckon, having seen them the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I'm going to totally disagree with JP here. I think we definitely do need to judge Everton on the previous appearances. And I think what it's showing is actually that they've got a phenomenal starting eleven. Um, but they don't have the strength and depth. I mean, even with Pickford being dropped for Olsen, the Roma goalkeeper, they still didn't look great. There wasn't, you know, we talked about Pickford maybe being the weak link. Clearly, that's not the case. They clearly need a bit more depth. And the rumours about Isco maybe joining Ancelotti and James as well definitely is in the right, they're going in the right direction. I wouldn't be surprised if a Man United or even a Man City try and test Everton's resolve with a big bid in January, though. I'll tell you what, I, did, I had not heard that about Isco, but he's, Neither have abs- I. he's absolute class. Super Isco. player, yep. If they, if they get him as well, boah. Like you say, that, mind you, haven't you know that strengthens that strengthens their starting eleven amazingly. But yeah, whether it's whether it's part of a well thought out plan, I suppose, is another question. You know, but he's definitely it's almost like a sort of mini Galacticos, isn't it? No, I'm not saying Everton are going to win the league, uh, Fino, but I do think they're better than they were on on Saturday because for for me it was Newcastle's easiest game of the season. Yeah, look, they're missing key players. That's the the issue. And you would expect them to be blunt without, you know, a player like James, Richarlison and Luca Dina. But they need people to step up when those players are out because, you know, at the moment there's COVID restrictions. One of them could go down and one of them could be self-isolating. You know, they could be injured throughout the season. They need the next man up to be able to perform at a decent enough level that they can still get results. Listen, mate, as well, the only thing I'd add to that is... It all got, you know, overshadowed by all the VAR stuff when Liverpool played Everton. But the simple fact was Everton were crap against Liverpool. They were just crap. So, all, all you know, we'd spent all those all that time bigging them up. But really, all right, maybe that's a bit harsh. But they weren't very good, were they? And, um, you know, let's see. Let's see. I think, they, let, you know, got bits, bits to prove. I suppose like Villa as well, right? Well, they don't have any uh, strength and depth. I think that's clear. Czech Toshin come off the bench and, you know, he, he could have been playing for a Tranmere. He was that poor. Man United nil, Arsenal one. Pogba, what a guy! Yes, obviously he he gave away the penalty and he came out and apologised afterwards and said, I think he said that he was tired from from running back <laughs> to give away the penalty. I mean, I mean, fair enough. I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> well, we, we would have been. We would have been tired. <laughs> Speak for yourself, lads. But um, yeah, it's obviously Kevin and I were talking about this earlier, and all the news is that Arsenal have finally beaten it. A big team. Well, that's what Manfred, Manfred did say last week. There was 
I think it was six, seven years since they've come out and beat a, a big team. And he said, we have to, Arteta has to go and do it. And, and he did it. I'm sure uh, Manfred was pretty happy. Can we um, call, uh, can we call Man United a big team? They're in, <laughs> like, they were going to say, can we call Manfred? Um, they're Let's in 15th. As well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're 15th in the table. No, I think, I think in all seriousness for a, for a Man United fan, this is where you'd be so, so frustrated because you beat Red Bull Leipzig or RB Leipzig, sorry, 5-0 in, in the Champions League in midweek. And then... That was a great result. In and finish. then, but... The, it was. They never seemed to, you know, follow it up. There's always a really disappointing result after a brilliant result. And I think Solskjaer, he's just really struggling to find that kind of consistency. There was a fantastic little run there where they, you know, came off to the Tottenham defeat. They beat Newcastle, they beat Paris Saint-Germain. But in the Premier League at home, I don't think they've won in about five or six games Well, now. You, you know what? I reckon why that that is, is because they play one way, don't they? They play on the break. They're really good on the break. And so if they get an early goal, they can be devastating. Um, but they play on the break, but yet at the same time, they're not terribly good when, when teams really press them. So that's like, okay, so it's fine if you can cope with the press because you can then do what Arsenal have done a couple of times. Right? You've seen, we've seen Arsenal, when they play it out from the back, you have to say, un chapeau as far as I'm concerned because they will do it and keep doing it and they'll take that risk. And you know, once or twice, and we saw it at the start of the season, you know, they can take, tear a team apart just by passing it out under great pressure. But you know, they don't seem to be able to play under pressure and they can't really play any other way than on the break. So it, it seems to me that they're not that hard to set up against, although they will cane you a couple of times because if they get that early goal, if they get have, it right, yeah. And you have to then come at them, you know, it's going to be really hard for you, isn't it? But if they don't get that early goal, then I just, I don't fancy them. I think I, I think they're a little way away. And I think you have to say as well, does Pogba have any place in that team? And isn't it time where they just say, look, no, you know, it's time to cut your losses. Yeah, I know it was a colossal amount of money and it was pretty, it was a talking point at the time, wasn't it? Whether any player should be worth that, that amount of money. But I think there comes a time where you just have to say, look, mate, just don't play him. But put him in a French shirt and he turns into a world beater. Maybe it's about confidence. I don't know. He seems to have that self-belief, doesn't he, when he's in that French shirt. So, you know, difficult difficult to explain. But certainly in a Man United shirt, confidence doesn't seem to be, you know, a factor that's that's overwhelming him. It's been a strange old season for Ole and Man United so far. Uh, final game of the Saturday night. Tottenham 2, Brighton 1, return of the bail. Yeah, Gareth Bale, I think it was his, his first goal for Tottenham in nine years. Um, a nice well, he hasn't been there, has he? <laughs> I know. Give him a bit of credit, Joe. <laughs> bit arse, Joe. That's just one of those pointless stats. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, obviously, very, very good for Tottenham to have Bale, Son and Kane in the team. I know we've talked about this a few times. If they can get firing, they'll be very, very strong. Um, and yeah, I think if, you know, if Tottenham hadn't had the calamitous collapse against West Ham or the really dodgy penalty given against them against Newcastle, then they'd probably be two points clear at the top of the table. I agree 100%. Can you see Tottenham mounting a title challenge, Finnell? I can. I don't know if they will. I think what's interesting is if you can get Bale firing, then yes, they'll be very potent. But what you're starting to see in the press a bit more is the pundits are turning against Harry Kane and Son's antics. You know, and we talked about Salah. I think Kane... He had a very soft penalty, potentially out of the box, potentially in the box. And he also had what was clearly a dive in that game. And I do wonder whether or not that's going to have an impact on that Tottenham team. That being said, Mourinho is the probably the best man-manager in the Premier League at the moment. And he'll be able to successfully manage that crisis, if you want to call it a crisis, um, 
so that Kane is able to, to keep scoring. If he has time, he'll be too busy on the Real Madrid websites <laughs> checking up uh, to see what they're saying about Gareth Bale. But uh, yeah, big win for Tottenham. I think Tottenham are going to have a big season and uh, I think they'll be there at the end. Um, run through the last two games. Fulham 2, West Brom 0. Uh, basement battle. Fulham get their first win of the season. This one we did not expect. Leeds 1, Leicester 4. Not long ago, Fino, you bigged up Jamie Vardy. 110 or 114 goals in the Premier League now. Ahead of the likes of Cantona and Ronaldo and Bergkamp and these guys. And he just continually does it, doesn't he? Yeah, it's a great centre forward. I think also what's important is I also spoke about Tielemann and he was phenomenal again against Leeds. It'll be interesting to see how they play against Wolves next weekend. But yeah, they're definitely looking like they'll be there thereabouts. People are even talking about them replicating 2016's feet in, in winning the league. It's almost as if you're... You're preempting uh, the work of a major poet coming up later when you talk about that sort of thing. But anyway, uh, any no, idea what he's on about? <laughs> no, the only thing I'd say there is: uh, did did we not expect it? I don't know. Leicester are always really good away, and Leeds, honestly, sometimes good, sometimes atrocious. Wasn't that much of a surprise? I just think on the evidence of this Premier League season so far, how good Leeds have been, and Leicester have been very blunt at times, and. You know, I thought this, you know, how Bielsa had Leeds playing. We expected them to, to get something for the game. At the start of this season, I would have gave Leeds no chance. But because of how they played against City and, you yeah, know. but Leicester as well, don't forget. You know, like I say, Leicester pretty good away. Leeds up and down all over the show. Like I said, even in that first game against the against Liverpool, which you all enjoyed a lot, uh, it was. It was mayhem and set the tone for the season, that 4-3. But you can see at the time, Leeds are going to be... Yeah, they tighten things up in defence in some of their games. I don't know. I think they're going to be up and down all season. They're going to be great value. They're going to be great fun. Welcome back to the Premier League. Hope they stay here for ages and ages, but they're not seriously going to do any more than be sort of on the on the verge of that top six. Great entertainment value for the neutral, though. Uh, now having a look at the Premier League games this weekend. Friday night, uh, these are Central European times, half past six. Brighton, Burnley, yeah, uh, I mean, these teams aren't going to be doing much either. Probably go for a Brighton win. I do worry a, a bit for Brighton this season. They've started, you know, they were playing well, but they weren't picking up points. But they will see this as a huge, a massive opportunity against Burnley to get a win and then kind of kickstart their season, yeah, I think. got to. Uh, Burnley crap in defence, but Brighton actually, like I say, been pretty good. Can't believe they've got so few points as they have. They should have loads more. Lamptey has been a phenomenal signing. Apparently, Bayern, Atletico and Sevilla are all looking at him as a potential transfer. If he goes, they lose a huge threat down the right-hand side. So they need to pick up as many points as possible before he potentially goes. Maybe in January, Fino. Now, Friday night, 9pm, the game of the weekend, Clash of the Titans, Southampton versus Newcastle. Joe? So, here's one for you. If Southampton beat Newcastle, it doesn't matter what the score is or the result, they will go top of the league albeit for a few hours until oh the game God, is on, can't on Saturday. <laughs> we'll never hear the so, end of it. No, um, I think Southampton are good against the teams who actually want to play football. <laughs> go, on, go on, Joe, finish, Whereas, finish, oh that, my finish God. that thought. Whereas playing teams like Newcastle, who kind of put 11 men behind the ball and try and catch you on the break. I just told you we've changed our system. <laughs> so I can see this being a insanely frustrating game for Southampton and I can see Fraser to Wilson 1-0 see you later 1-0 Newcastle I will take that all day long because at the end of the season nobody looks back on, on who did what so my, um, so my last match at St Mary's that I went to was the Newcastle match last year when 
Newcastle won a very jammy 1-0 game again after being incredibly negative and then nicked a goal on the break <laughs> and then won the game 1-0. So I can see history repeating itself, unfortunately. If you're playing away in the Premier League, you play on the break. That's what you do, you know. Um, I think Newcastle will actually go and have a go. And the reason is because of the players that are available. Shelby is the dictator in midfield. He's gone. He's out. And the way they're playing now, they kind of fell upon their system by accident. And I think with the players, he has to pick the forward attack-minded players. Maxi now hasn't played well in the last few games. Almiron and Wilson. But um, I'll go for a draw, Joe, on this one. Yeah, Southampton really struggle against pace. We saw that when they played against Tottenham. Tottenham stuck five or six past them. And with Wilson and Fraser, Newcastle have serious pace up front. I mean, Fraser won't start. He'll come off the bench for Maxima if he's not having a good game. Almiron has got a great little uh, ability to turn and beat players. He's got a turn of pace as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll take a draw in this one. And, uh, you know, I'd hate to see Southampton not make the top of the league for the first time in 200 years, was it? Or, <laughs> I can't remember the last time. <laughs> okay. Um... You got a, you got a dog in this race, Finno? I mean, no dog, really. But Southampton are on a bit of a rich vein of form. And I think they'll be a bit disappointed that the international break is coming when it is. You know, as Joe said about James Ward-Prowse, the amount of spin that he managed to get onto the ball for both of his free kicks was unreal, almost unbelievable. So it'll be interesting to see if there are any set pieces given away 25, 30 yards out, whether or not you can replicate that. Newcastle did play well against Everton, but I don't really have an idea of how this will go. But it is a great Friday night game. Yep, good start to the weekend. Moving on to Saturday. Uh, these are Central European times. Everton, Man U, half past one. Everton need to get something. Man United need to get something. Uh, James Rodriguez is is he back? Maybe. I know Richarlison and Digna should be back. Their uh, suspensions are gone. But Man United, it, it, like Kevin said, seem to play better away from home on the break. This, um, is, this is one of those. This is one of those classic games, isn't it? And I just have this feeling that Man United are going to do Everton. So, like I say, yeah, away from home, I think Everton are, Everton are going to go at them. You know, there's no crowds at the moment, so it's all a bit, you know, that's a bit moot, isn't it? I mean, and one of the things we've experienced here is that, you know, you can't rely on anything happening, really. But I do just think Everton need need a win. They're going to go for it, and I just can see Man United picking them off. Hope I'm wrong, actually, because I'd love to see Everton do them, but don't think they will. I know, I know we mentioned this last week or a couple of weeks ago, but it shouldn't be underestimated that Man United are travelling to Istanbul tomorrow night. Then they've got to come all the way back for a half-one kickoff on Saturday. It doesn't give them much time to rest, recover or prepare, whereas Everton will have had the whole week. So that may play some part in the game. But just this crazy world of the Premier League this week, Joe, that probably everything you said is completely logical, but it's probably just going to turn out to be no factor whatsoever. It seems to be also when, it, when a team is on a little run and you think they're, they're going to you know, mm. win again, they just get smashed. And I think that's what's going to happen Southampton. Um, yeah, Man United obviously, you know, big win in the Champions League. They, they'll win in, in Turkey when they go out there. I'm sure of that. But they got a big squad. Like a few weeks ago, I was, I was talking about the um, the Newcastle game when Donny van der Beek and Paul Pogba came off the bench. So they've got enough players in that squad of quality to go and win both games, win in Turkey and beat Everton. And I fancy them to uh, to beat Everton as well. Palace against Leeds, 4 p.m. Palace are 
tricky to beat, especially at home. And Wolf Saha is he's a big fish in a small pond, but he's he's a hard fish to stop, you know. I think Leeds for maybe the first time this season looked quite indecisive with the ball. It'll be interesting to see how Palace set up against them. That being said, against Wolves, Palace were pretty dismal. I think it's a very difficult game to pick. I'll be amazed if we can if we can get four out of four right. I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw, but again, that's me really just picking it out of thin air. I'll go for Mr Bielsa ball and Leeds to win by the odd goal. Joe? Yeah, I think Leeds will bounce back in this one and take the three points. Kev? Yeah, I suppose so. You know, hope, hope these do, actually. Like a bit of Leeds. Like a bit of Leeds, he does. Uh, <laughs> Chelsea, the dead start bet of the weekend, I think, at home to Sheffield United. I think they're going to batter them. They're really finding their feet now, aren't they, Chelsea? I think I think now you start starting to see that midfield looking really nice, um, the way they play together. And of course, Timo Werner. He just, we, we all said once he started scoring, he's probably not going to stop. And I think it's going to be a riot. Yeah, and it was another one of the new signings at the weekend, Ziyech. Uh, who came in oh, the from, guy from Ajax. He came in from Ajax, I believe. He was the one who kind of stole the show at the weekend. So, um, yeah, they look really strong. Yeah, I watched him in the Champions League there and he had a little tap-in and that would have done his confidence the world of good. Um, you've got to fancy your team on, on Saturday night, Finna, West Ham, Fulham. Yeah, I do. I'm almost expecting a win now, so no doubt we'll get turned over. Scott Parker coming back to West Ham. You know, missing Antonio at the weekend was a big deal. Fornals, Bowen... Look good. I mean, Fornals looked good against Liverpool. The big question mark is around Haller. You know, at 20-odd million, he needs to make his presence known in the Premier League. And especially when we've not got Antonio there to, to rely on, essentially, to score goals. You is know, Antonio injured? West Ham are keeping it very close to the chest, shall we say. I think he was very touch and go for the Liverpool game. There was a lot of rumours either way. So... It'll be interesting to see whether or not he is fit for the Fulham game. But yeah, Fulham lifted out the relegation zone with their win against West Brom. You hope that they have exerted so much effort into that result that West Ham are able to seamroll them. Well, you hope that. Not many other people do, mate. Yeah, no, I, I fancy uh, West Ham here as well. Finno. I mean, you've gone on a little run as well and you're kind of harder to beat now. And Moy seems to have... Um, Got the dressing room behind him a little bit more. So, yeah, I think West Ham should win this comfortably. On to Sunday's games. Now, there is no Monday's game, so there's four games on Sunday. At 1pm, West Brom, Tottenham. I fancy Tottenham here as well again. And Kane and Son and Bale and the Mourinho machine rolls on, I think. Yeah, I mean, Tottenham should win this game. West Brom still... They still haven't won a game all season, so they're still searching for their first three points. Um, I think the defeat against Fulham will have that would have really, really hurt them against their kind of relegation rivals. They both came up from the championship last season. Um, so yeah, I fully expect Tottenham to win this one comfortably. Spurs all day. I agree, Kev. Now we did say that the Clash of the Titans of the weekend was on Friday night when Newcastle take on Southampton. There's a couple of contenders for our runners-up. Leicester Wolves should be a really good game. Uh, that starts at 3pm Central European time. Both teams are on form. Vardy scoring goals. Wolves are starting to find their feet a little bit. Uh, which way do you see this one going, Finno? I think Leicester have enough in the tank to beat Wolves. But it will all depend, and we've talked about it with Man United, it will all depend on how they do in Europe and how they manage their squad in Europe. Yeah, as we've said, Tielemann bang on form, as is Vardy. They just look a different beast when Vardy's in the team. I think a Leicester win. Yeah, Vardy just gives them this amazing outlet, this option, you know, because if you're, you're clearing the ball, if you're under pressure, 
knock it down the channel, he's always going to be there. And the chances are he's going to be there ahead of the defender almost every time because of the, the pace he has and the work rate he has. He's selfless. He really is. Big enough game. Some would have said a title decider already. Half past five on Sunday. Man City versus Liverpool. I mean, definitely not a title decider, obviously. But if Liverpool were to win, and I'm going to use um, that uh, that phraseology quite um, quite uh, deliberately, if they were to win, obviously they would be looking like really with a tidy lead um, over Man City already. But honestly, I just can't see it happening. I mean, I think Liverpool have been, you know, look at those results that Liverpool have had since they lost Van Dijk, and they've they've gone back to that. We can somehow eke out a two two one win, right? They've been able to. But that's just, what you did the whole of last season. Exactly the whole of last season. But I don't think right now this team is capable of going there and is going to pull out one of those once every four or five seasons performances in the league against Man City. Because you look at Liverpool's performances against Man City at Man City, and you have to go back. I think it's like three or four years before we got a result there. And I just don't think it's going to happen. I would love to, you know, with my whole heart, I would love it love it to happen. But look at, you know, in the last game, Nat, Nat Phillips comes on at centre-half, does everything right, batters everything away, and West Ham, you know, with the best will in the world, just carries on, just putting the, putting the ball high into the box, and Nat Phillips can do that all day. Nat Phillips is not going to do that against Raheem Sterling. It's just never going to happen. Reese Williams, is it? The other standing centre-half? Never going to happen. So Liverpool are going to be banking on, hopefully, Joel Matip being fit for that, and Gomez both of whom have made mistakes, Gomez particularly, it just is not going to happen. I would love it to happen, but it ain't going to happen. Two guys, terrible players with uh, Premier League and Champions League medals in their back pocket. Imagine <laughs> you have to call on them. That's terrible. Wow. Man City really haven't impressed me this season. I think they've been well below the standard. Aguero's out of this game as well, and I don't see them winning this one. I'm not going to say Liverpool are going to win, but yeah, I think it, it could be a draw. Uh, Joe, what's your verdict yeah, on this one? I think Man City, we're just all kind of waiting for them to fully click into full gear, aren't we? And it, you know, it may be this weekend. I was actually reading, so their defence uh, in their last Premier League game cost £230 million. It's the most expensive defence in Premier League history. They'll be hoping to keep a clean sheet. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's just scoring goals for them seems to be the problem. Aguero's injured. I think they've got this young lad, Torres, up front. Um, obviously, Torres, <laughs> a former Liverpool player, a different player. <laughs> we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, you know, De Bruyne is world class and obviously Sterling and uh, Riyad Mahrez comes good and comes bad and Aguero is, is, is top class, but they just seem to be missing something this season. And uh, yeah, I, I, what are they, where are they? They must be down the table as well, aren't they? They are, but don't forget they've got a game in hand. So in hand, um, yeah. I think they're um, bang average at the moment. So I think they're 10th, 11th, 9th, something like that, depending yeah, so on the goal So it's top difference. of the league against 10th? So no, but they've they got that game in hand. And I think if you, were to, if you were to take that into account, they'd be somewhere near where Spurs are, something like that. And so if you were to looking at Liverpool, you know, you know uh, Liverpool away at, say, a Spurs or something like that, you certainly wouldn't say it was going to be... Bad. Listen, you know, I really hope I'm wrong, but it's just, I, I think Liverpool have got these frailties about them at the moment. And I think, you know, look at the sides Liverpool have beaten in the last few games. It's been great. It's been heartwarming. It's been these 2-1s or the 2-0 in the Champions League or whatever. But, you know, it's a, it's a miles away from playing Man City at their place. I think Pep will be angry at how they've played so far this season. And I think he's going to say to them, look, this is our chance. Let's put this to bed. Let's beat Liverpool and make a statement. And our season starts here. I would definitely agree with that. You know, you, you wonder sometimes with, with Guardiola, he never stays at clubs for, you know, five, ten years. I'm just wondering if his intensity, maybe it's just kind of reaching its natural conclusion at some point, maybe the end of this season. 
you know, this may be the last season that he manages Man City. I'll tell you what, mate, that's really interesting. How long can managers exert that, the authority of their early years at a club? And you're right, and it's not just Guardiola, is it? Look at someone like Klopp, who did it for a certain number of years at Dortmund and then had that very difficult final year. Look at Mourinho, you know, who comes in and manages to do it. It was always the, it was always the line, wasn't it? That it was the second season with Mourinho was always the best. The third season was pretty good. But then after that, there would be a law of diminishing returns. I do think that's an interesting point and one to keep an eye on because no one really expected Guardiola you know, to spend much longer than the time he's been there. Although he did seem to rule out a return to Barcelona. But, you know, whether whether they couldn't cross his palm with silver. He wants the Champions League. That's what he could, could, couldn't do with Bayern. I think he's, he's trying to prove something quite to do at Man City. But um, not this season, not the way they're playing. Guardiola to go at the end of the season, Fino? I don't know if I would say that for definite. But this is definitely a game where we could look back and go, this is when he decided to leave. And I think Joe's spot on. When I was watching the Sheffield United game, he was just sitting on the bench. He wasn't really being as his animated usual self. And it did look as if he'd lost a bit of his verve. But I think looking at this game, Liverpool and Man City would be very happy if they could swap a few players around because Liverpool have got great players in attack and Man City are toothless. And Man City have a quarter of a billion pounds sitting in defence that Liverpool could definitely use. I think for Liverpool, Shakiri looked good when he came on. Jota got the winner, obviously. I still just don't know if they've shirked off the, the ghost of Virgil van Dijk, shall we say. I think it'll be a KG affair. I think it'll be a one-all draw. The ghost of Virgil van Dijk. Wow. <laughs> I've heard it all. Now, all that money, though, and you think Pep Guardiola could buy a decent pair of jeans. <laughs> he showed up with these jeans full of holes in them like a, like a hipster. You sound like me, Dad. Well, I just, I just think, you know, it's, it's Pep Guardiola, he's manager of Man City. Shouldn't be coming out in a pair of hipster jeans. Uh, final game of the Sunday night. Arsenal at home to Aston Villa. Huge win for Arsenal against Man United. Uh, like Manfred said last week, you know, the first time in, in, I think it was seven or eight years, that they won against one of the big teams, uh, like away from home. Huge confidence from that. Aston Villa, we were bigging them up as well. You know, Southampton, the mighty Southampton brought them back down to earth so um, yeah I, I think Arsenal fancy this one and I think they get the job done yeah Arsenal should fancy themselves and they should get the job done um, they finally found a backbone in beating Man United Manfred's appearance last week you know it must have been uh, a lucky omen shall we say but I still don't know about this Arsenal team you know if there was one top six side that they were going to beat, it was going to be Man United. Aston Villa, I thought, looked pretty good. I know that they went 4-1 down, I think, or 3-0 down to Southampton, but they did bring it back. Um, it looked a bit more of an even game than perhaps the score showed. I feel like both front lines could do some damage to each other's defences. So I think there will be goals, but I couldn't pick a winner at the moment. Yeah, very Shakespeare-like performance from the mighty Arsenal. Manfred will be very happy. Speaking of Shakespeare and great poets... Uh, Kevin is back from his sun-kissed holiday and he's got another masterpiece for us. Kev? Yeah, well, we'll see, you know. Uh, and again, it's spot the literary reference and apologies to, to Finno again. So here we go. Stop all the clocks. Slip off your shoes. It's time to start singing the lockdown blues with one saving grace for our COVID fatigue, the ongoing thrill of the Premier League. For those stuck indoors, it's the perfect distractor. The league with that je ne sais quoi, the X factor. Southampton and Leicester hit four and were stunning. Liverpool somehow still making the running. And Tottenham, could they now be title contenders? There aren't many better amongst the pretenders. Chelsea perhaps after shrugging off Burnley and nobody's writing off City this early. 
But let's start with Leicester in merciless mode. Irresistible winners, 4-1 Ellen Road. With Schmeichel in goal, Barnes and Vardy up front, could they be worth backing for a wee title punt? Might sound unlikely, but in 2016, their title possession was as unforeseen. And if not the Foxes, then what of the Saints? 4-3 v Villa, who could have no complaints? Southampton, in fact, were if anything better than the scoreline suggests, v the fading pace setter. 4-0 at half-time, sure, raised some eyebrows. Vestergaard ings and two goals from Ward Prowse. Those games were the highlights of a match week that saw a total of 30 goals scored and no draw. And though we no longer can watch football in pubs, this was the week when the great super subs sprang from the bench like bebroomed Harry Potter at Anfield, you guessed it, our friend Diego Jota who just when the hammers were tiring and weary, latched onto a wonder through ball from Shakiri. Tottenham were also on edge, a bit antsy. They'd led through Kane's pen before cool Tariq Lamptey popped up to underline his reputation as a star of the future, a Brighton sensation. Spurs were in need of an energy boost. They got it when Bale was at last introduced and three minutes later was in the right place to head home and put his side two off the pace. United could do with some of that star power. Once again, they looked just a little bit dour. A blunder from Pogba and Arsenal could cheer. A first win at Old Trafford in 14 long years. So we've put back the clocks. We've cancelled our plans. Settled for being just sad armchair fans. No longer watching the games from the bar. Will anyone hear us scream at VAR? Certainly we'll all be glued to our streams on Sunday when England's two superpower teams go head-to-head up at Manchester City. Will Liverpool win? Be left sitting pretty? Short of defenders, Klopp's men look frail, but City have hardly been blazing a trail. And given the way that this season's progressed, honestly speaking, it's anyone's guess. Brilliant stuff, Kev. Thanks a million, Finno. We'll chat to you next week. Joe, thank you. Nice one, JP. Sorry about Friday, Joe. Kev, thank <laughs> you very is, much. Great stuff. Too. Thank you, Kev. This has been the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll see you all next week. Enjoy the games.